We're actually starting a new series of lessons today. So thrilled that you're here with us. Hope you come back next week. Hope that uh, uh, something happens in the room. You decide to kind of join with us. If you're visiting with some family, friends, uh, go hang out wherever you do, you know, out of town. We're, 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 no, there's great churches everywhere. Uh, we just believe there's some cool things that's going on around here. We'd love for you to be a part of it, uh, and you're probably already sensing that a little bit. Uh, today, we're, again, we're just starting a new series of lessons called Living Through It. Uh, today, I'll probably talk to you for about, I don't know, 28, 30 minutes or something like that, and not, not try to keep you here all day, but give you enough that, that hopefully maybe answers some questions or maybe pricks your interest a little bit uh, uh, to, to allow the Spirit of God really to talk to you in some ways maybe that maybe hasn't up until now for whatever reason. Um, what's amazing about Jesus' life is that Jesus lived only, lived only about 12,000 days on the earth. Uh, the, the four gospel writers, if you don't know, the Old Testament, you know, a bunch of those books, and then you've got the, this kind of gap between the Old Testament and New Testament. It's called the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Three of the four guys actually were with Jesus for those three-plus years. Uh, they write and mainly talk about the, about 1,100 days of Jesus' life. Uh, you, you can read Luke. He talks about before Jesus was born, talks about his cousin, you know, named John the Baptist, his parents a little bit, then, then talks about Jesus' birth. But, but the, 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 the bulk of the Gospels... Talk about 1,100 days of, of, of Jesus' life. You know, lived again, 12,000 days, but they concentrate on, on 1,100 days. This is what we would call Jesus' public ministry. This is where Jesus taught. He healed people. He, he was baptized. He, he did signs, wonders, and miracles. And, and yet, when, we know that about those 1,100 days, but there is great, great emphasis in, in, in the Bible, in, in the Gospels, concerning the last seven days of Jesus' life. The last seven days. In fact, if you read some of your Bible readers, if you read the, the Gospel of Matthew, that's the first New Testament Gospel. Matthew was an eyewitness. He was a tax collector. He used to be away from God. He, he opened up his heart to Jesus when he was preaching and saw what he did. He got called to be one of the original 12 disciples, and he stuck with Jesus all the way through to the end. And he wrote a book about 20 years later or so, 30 years later, after the resurrection of Jesus Christ that we have right now, documented right now, in our, what we call the collection of those 66 books called, called the Bible. And Matthew, from Matthew 21 through Matthew 28, he really outlines the last seven days of Jesus' life. So, so you know, we've got 12,000 days of life. We've got 1,100 days of, 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 that we were reading. But Matthew concentrates on these, on these last, really, seven days. Uh, in those last seven days, we read it like last week. If you don't know, last week is really called the Christian you know, faith. It's called Palm Sunday. It's where Jesus came into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. And he went to the, you know, he overturned tables in Jerusalem because people were buying and selling. It turned it into a carnival and circus instead of a holy thing. Jesus got mad. He, he just kind of went crazy there for a minute. The, 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 the zeal of God really, you know, compelled him to do some things and let the people know God's here and this is a holy thing that's going on. And, and he taught and he preached and, and the people cut down, you know, branches and worshipped him when he went in there. And, and, and then, you know, we know that he had the Passover meal with his disciples and, and the, the, you know, talked about this new covenant and it's in his blood and, and his body's going to be broken. It's, it's not just Moses and the Old Testament. That's gone away. This is something new that's getting ready to happen. Uh, Matthew records he talked about a lot of parables, just a lot of parables. Uh, Talked talk to the disciples and anybody that was listening. He really talked about a lot of last day stuff that still we're kind of looking forward to and some things that's, that, that's been happening right now, but some things yet to happen. And, and yet we know that Matthew and the other gospel writers talk about him on that last day, you know, that last few hours in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's crying, he's sweating, 
tearing, you know, great drops of blood saying, you know, not my will, Father, but your will be done. Your will be done. At that time in the garden, we know that Judas, we read, Judas comes up to him, one of the original 12, comes up and kisses Jesus, identifies him as this is the Messiah. Jesus was arrested. Jesus was tortured. And we know three days ago we celebrate that Jesus was actually crucified, crucified on a cross. Um, man, what, what an awful time. What, what an awful day. Uh, 12,000 days of life. 1,100 days that you would kind of, we'd say, in the zone. Concentration of seven days. And, and yet we've got one, one really, really, really awful, bad, horrible day. Uh, a day that um, you'll never experience like this, but a day that you probably have experienced. I'm sure you have. What we know about Jesus, what we know about these gospel writers, and what we know what they said, and we can read it for ourselves. Get a Bible, go on version, the free app, go start reading it yourself. I encourage you to do that. Is that number one, is that Jesus, Jesus experienced uh, physical pain himself. Again, the writers all tell us the same thing. He was whipped with braided leather straps, having bone fragments. They say the culture of the time, bone fragments in it, had sharp objects in it. Some type of glass or pottery was in it. So when the whip would hit Jesus back and come back out, it would actually rip the flesh out and rip the flesh open. Uh, we read the accounts. We can read the accounts. He was beaten in the face. He, he, was, he, he did not, Isaiah, a prophet from 500 to 600 years before the event, prophesied that Jesus was so beaten he didn't even look like a man. So whatever you think of a, a prize fighter after the fight, <laughs> that's how Jesus was swollen. Uh, he was kicked. He was beaten. We know that spikes were put in his hands and in his feet. Uh, and he was crucified. He, he experienced physical pain. We know that Jesus, we can imagine, we have to know, that Jesus experienced emotional pain. Emotional pain. He was humiliated. He was, he was stripped. He was cursed at. Peter denied him. Judas betrayed him. All the disciples left him. And only at the cross, again, the account tells us, only at the cross was his mother Mary and a few other women, plus one disciple named John. Everybody that followed him with the signs, wonders, and miracles, everybody that hurt, got, got a hold of the loaves and the fishes, everybody that was around was Lazarus, was raised from the dead, everybody now was gone. Emotional pain. I, I'm sure everybody in the room, it makes no difference how old you are, you're in the room right here, right now, you have experienced physical pain and you, you have experienced some kind of emotional pain, but Jesus also did something that we know from the Bible, it says that he actually experienced spiritual pain. The spiritual pain that Jesus experienced was he was one with God the Father, and he left heaven, the Bible says, and became a man, humbled himself. The Bible actually tells us, the New Testament writer Paul says he actually took our sin. He didn't just take our sin, it says he became our sin. It's a whole other thing. This is something nobody in the room, including me, can imagine. God's never allowed us, nor would he ask us to become sin for anybody else. You can't do that. But he did that. He did that for us. This last day, this last day was brutal. It was awful. It was horrible. But here's what I know from the account, and if you read it, I encourage you to do it. 
is that God gave Jesus the power to live through that last day. And I believe that everybody in the room that has experienced physical pain, emotional pain, whatever you're dealing with, that God is going to give you power to live through whatever you're going through. Can somebody say amen up in here? Uh, the title of our slide, let's put the title back up there real quick, guys, in the back. Uh, you know, you know you, we've just got three words there. Everybody can know that. Hopefully you think about it maybe this week. Living through it. There's just three words. Three words. Uh, you, you know, as you look at that title, and you just, you just kind of think about that for a second, you, you know, what words do you concentrate on that title? You know, what words? I, 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 again, my life, I've been around people all the time, and, and just like you, and, and somebody that's gone through it, through it, whatever it is, through it, you, you know what it is. They talk about it forever. It just never dies. It never gets put to rest. It never gets healed. It, it's always in their mind. It's, it's, always, it, it's, like the, it's like the wound that just keeps getting opened and opened and opened. And there's never any healing. There's never any restoration. Uh, there's, just, there's just never, never any, 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 any comfort. You're still hurting. You're still angry. You're still confused. You're still broken over it. Uh, over it. And we've all been through the it. But, but what I want to do you know, today and what I want to do in this series, and again, I hope you come back next week because we'll kind of break it down a little bit more and just continue on this journey together. Because we've all had it in our life. We, we've all had it. Everybody in the room. You can't be in life without having many it's. But here's where we want to concentrate. We want to concentrate on the first word. We want to concentrate on living. Come on, somebody say living. We want to concentrate on the living part. We want to concentrate on the alive part. We want to concentrate on the I'm not dead yet part. I believe that today, come on, today is Resurrection Sunday. Come on, that which is dead can come alive again. Come on, everybody. Yeah, 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 yeah. So hopefully, whether it's today or it's in the days ahead, hopefully my prayer and our prayer for you has been really that with God's help, you're going to be able to say, I'm going to live through this. I'm going to live through this. As we said before, and you know, again, just no one is immune to pain and suffering. It's, it's the question that, that uh, has tried to be answered for since the beginning of time. If God is good, you've heard it. The, the, the philosophy question. If God is good, why would he allow pain and suffering? Well, again, the easy answer that, that demands a whole lot more application than what I'm prepared to give you this morning. But the easy answer is we go back to the beginning of original sin with Adam and Eve. And from that original sin, when they chose to disobey God and go their own way, that is where pain and suffering and disease and sickness and angst and emotional unwell-being began. That's where it began. That's where it started. And we found out on Friday night at our Good Friday service, everybody that's born in the earth is affected by that original sin. Everything in this earth, we found out on Friday night, everything in this earth, we are living under a curse. The ocean is beautiful. The mountains are amazing. Relationships are, are, are amazing. But every relationship by the core is flawed. 
And there will be pain, and there will be trouble, and there will be stuff that happens that you can't figure out. And there will be suffering, and, and somebody will die early, and, and you can't figure it out. And the person that, that, that should die early, if I could say it that way, that's just awful, and they're mean, and they've hurt society, and, and, and they're, 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 their countries are being ruined by political angst or whatever. And you go, how, God? Don't you see, God? Don't you see uh, the suffering? But God's given us the power to be able to live through all these things that we deal with. Everybody in the room, maybe you've experienced lifelong friends leaving you, infidelity in your marriage, betrayal, addiction, incarceration of a loved one, bankruptcy, divorce, rejection, young ones in school now, big deal, bullying, or family member just dying way too early, way too early. Here's what I know, is that pain and suffering, pain and suffering can either bury you or it can plant you. So let me talk about it just a second. It can either bury you or plant you. It all depends on how you think. The question I'd ask you, is a seed buried or is a seed planted? Is it buried or is it planted? Burial speaks of death. Planted speaks of life. You get to choose what happens to you. Uh, the Apostle Paul, I want to read one scripture today and we'll kind of talk about some things setting up where we're going to go in the next couple of weeks. Uh, the Apostle Paul, again, he wasn't one of the original, uh, one of the original 12 disciples, but he wrote about two-thirds of, the, of what we call the New Testament. He started in the book of Romans, and he wrote Corinthians, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, all these different, uh, what we call epistles. These are just letters to a church. So you can read some of them real quick, and a couple of them are going to take you a little while to read them, several chapters long. But, but Paul wrote to a church at Philippi. It was, it was a colony. A church was there in this city. And he writes to them, and he says this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10 and 11. Look on the screen behind me. He says this to them, and he prays. This is the prayer. Look at this now. I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. Now, he's already known Jesus. He's already made Jesus the Lord of his life. But what he's saying is, I want to know him better. Anybody beside me want to know Jesus just a little bit better? Come on. Yeah. I want to know Christ. Look at this. And experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. Come on. Don't, don't, don't read too fast here. Come on. Slow down a minute. I want to know Christ. Knowing the Bible means up close, personal, intimate knowledge. I want to know him. Intimately, and I want to experience. Listen, have you ever experienced anything that you didn't know you experienced? Mm -mm. Experience means tangible. God wants you to tangibly know His power and His goodness. The psalmist says, Come on, oh, taste and see, the Lord is good. Come on, somebody. Just you have that experience of Him. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised Him from the dead. Look at this now. I want to suffer with Him. What? I want to suffer with him. I want to share in his death. What? So that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. I want to know him in his power. Come on, somebody. I want to know him in his power. Yeah, signs, wonders, miracles. God's will in my life. I see good stuff. My marriage, where my kids, everything's great. Got money, got a house, got a vacation coming. Woo! But he says, I want to know him in his suffering, suffering as well. So what I know from the scriptures is that you cannot separate, you cannot separate the mighty power from the mighty person. Can you say amen? The mighty power is connected with a mighty person named Jesus. Paul says this, if you can be like him in his suffering, you can be like him in his resurrection. If you can be like him in his suffering, hold, the, hold, hold it now. 
You're never going to the cross. You're never paying for your own sin. Suffering means when you want to do your own will, you submit and surrender your will to God. And you might have times of sweating great drops of blood, symbolically. Wrestling. God, I don't want... But coming up saying, not my will, but your will be done. Come on, somebody say amen to that. If you can be like him in his suffering, you can be like him in his resurrection. What I know this also from the scriptures, that suffering isn't allowed to kill you. Suffering is allowed to raise you. It's supposed to allow you to be looking more and more like Jesus Christ. What we know from the scriptures, you can't redeem yourself, you can't save yourself, you can't change yourself, you can't deliver yourself. That's why we need a Savior named Jesus Christ. Can somebody say amen to Jesus in the room? Come on, somebody say amen. Uh, you, you know, you've probably heard it, some of you guys that follow different writers or whatever, is that, you know, you know a couple days ago we called the event, come on, on, on Friday, what did we call that, that event? We call it what? Uh, good, good Friday. Uh, if you were there... <laughs> on that day, you would never call it Good Friday. But why do we call it Good Friday? Because Jesus lived through it. He lived through it. And what was awful, what was bad, what was challenging, what was just terrible, God the Father turned around and raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Come on, anybody believe in God for a resurrection in the room today? Yeah. Um, uh, today, what I want to do, just in a couple of moments I have left with you, what I want to do is I want to start looking at several spiritual principles that we really have in the form of statements. So spiritual principles in the form of statements that Jesus made while he was on the cross. So again, you can read those last couple of chapters, like Matthew chapter 26 or 27 right there. We'll find some of these, and John records some of these other statements. Uh, because I, I think it would be really important for us to find out what did Jesus say in his last breath while he was on the earth. He made these statements while he was on the cross. We won't get done with all of them, but we'll say a couple of them this morning, and, and we'll pick up the next, uh, next and a few other ones, I should say, next week. Uh, here's what we kind of got a calling this how, how to live through it, how, how to live through it. How are you going to live through it? You're going through it right now. You've been betrayed. You've been hurt. There's divorce. There's bankruptcy. There's angst. There's emotional pain. There's physical pain. You're dealing with stuff around you. How, how are you going to do it? How are you going to get through it? How are you going to live through it? Number one, let me just encourage you. Be good to those closest to you. Be good to those closest to you. Here's the scripture, John chapter 19, verse 26 and 27. Jesus is on the cross, and check it out. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, we'll talk about that in a moment, he said to her, he said to Mary, Dear woman, here is your son. And then Jesus said to this disciple, again, we'll qualify that in a minute, here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple took her into his home. Uh, this disciple that Jesus was talking about was the only disciple who didn't run. His name was John. Jesus is on a cross. Listen to me, if I can say it this way, forgive me. God, awful pain. His lungs are filling up with fluid. His feet have been spiked. His hands have been spiked. He's got a crown of thorns. He's beaten, bloody. His back is sticking to the cross that's been ripped open. And he looks around. How he sees, I don't know, but he sees Mary and he sees John. And he cares for his mother in his own pain. What I know about pain, man, 
When I got a sniffly nose, everybody in the house knows about it. I'm just awful. I'm awful. I'm just awful. Man, what's just amazing to me, listen, just because Jesus was going through it, he didn't drag anyone else through it. On the cross, we never hear a word. You need to feel what I'm feeling. Never. If you could just live a day in my sandals. Just never. Be good to those closest to you when you're going through it, whatever it is. Because here's what I'm convinced. The people that are closest to you might be the people to get you out of it. What I do know is that there's just some things that you're going to go through that no one can go through for you. A cross is single occupancy. And there are things that you're going to deal with in life that you go, why? Where are you? How come this is happening in my life? And the challenge will be to lash out at the people that are closest to you. Don't transmit your trauma. Be good to those that are closest to you. Can you say amen? Amen. Secondly, as we look at how to live through it, let your struggle stretch you to others. Come on, say that with me, will you? Let your struggle stretch you to others. Here's what I mean. Look on the screen. Luke records in Luke 23, then Jesus said on the cross, Jesus said, one of the, one of the, excuse me, one of the uh, guys crucified with Jesus said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied to one of those other. Remember, Jesus was on a cross, a man on the right and a man on the left. And Jesus says, assuredly, you today will be with me in paradise. Uh, amazing to me. Not only do I want to be good to those that are closest to me, but I've got a guy next to me that I've never seen before. I've got a guy over here I've never seen before. And somebody's asking him a question. I, I don't know about you, but again, I'm, I'm, I'm like going, leave me alone. Deal with your own stuff. But there's something about a struggle that God will stretch you to let you help somebody else. Jesus just didn't focus on his pain. He responded to someone else's pain. Jesus avoided letting his problems and trials drive him inward. He lived outward. So many times when we're going through testings and trials, we just, we just hunker down. Just me. Just us. Just us. Jesus was like on the cross and somebody's talking to him. And he's already talking to this guy over here. He's answering questions. He's letting his struggle stretch him to reach out to somebody else. Let me encourage you today. If you're in pain... Pursue other people's pain. Healing can happen as you help others. Got a lady in the room today. Don't want to point her out, but her name's Maria. That's all I'm going to give you. <laughs> Maria's been fighting some stuff in her body physically for, for a while. She's on dialysis. But you'd never know it. Because when she goes to dialysis, it's like, it's like Jesus shows up in dialysis. So she's there in the bed, she's in the chair, she's whatever, and they're praying. They're praying for everybody all around them. They're getting, you know, infusions, they're, they're, but they're praying for everybody around them. So what's going on? While I'm in pain, while I'm waiting, believing God for healing in my own life, my life and my struggle, I'm going to stretch out to other people. 
not lying there going, somebody help me. There's nothing wrong. Listen, we've all been there. Somebody help me. Somebody minister to me. Nothing wrong with that. But the flip side is, I'm going to live through this thing. I'm not going to let it bury me. I'm going to let it plant me. The life of God is going to still flow through me. And my life and my struggle is going to propel me to stretch towards other people. Third thought, I want to encourage you, just a couple more this morning. Third thought, again, we'll pick it up next week. Third thought, how are you going to live through it? Just forgive everyone of everything. Just forgive everyone of everything. In a room this size and second service will be packed just like this. I know there's people in the room and there's the it you're dealing with is it of unforgiveness. Somebody's wronged you. You have been wronged. You have been abused. You have been lied to. You have been stolen from. You have been, forgive me, raped, molested, and abused. But that thing has never been healed, maybe because you've just never forgiven. Jesus is on a cross. Luke records in Luke 23. And you know what he says. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. They just don't know. They don't know. Now, for me and for you, I don't know if you've had this dialogue with yourself. For me, it's a whole lot easier to forgive somebody when they don't know what they're doing. But what about when they do know what they're doing? Is there a whole other scripture there? I've been looking for one. Can't find it. Here's what Jesus says in Mark 11, verse 25. When you're praying, if you're angry with somebody, forgive them. Why? So that your Father in heaven will also forgive you your sins. But if you don't forgive other people, then your Father in heaven will not forgive you your sins. Wow. On your cross, in your pain, while you're living through it, let me challenge you. Forgive everybody of everything. Can I just say it this way? Don't allow your cross to keep crucifying you. How do you do that? By unforgiveness. So when you forgive, you're free. What's crazy about unforgiveness is that unforgiveness victimizes you. Not them, you. Heaven is shut up. It's hard. You're angry. You're moody. You can't even look at the person anymore. You need to master this moment. You need to master it. That's why you need to keep your heart clean. You just need, this is where freedom starts. This is where freedom begins. That's why, that's why Jesus says in the Lord's Prayer, come on, the Lord's Prayer, he says this in Matthew 6, he says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors every day. I just got to get the, clay, the, the, the slate clean. I just got to clean my heart, Lord. From yesterday and all the stuff that's gone on. And, and they did that and they promised that. And, and, and they shut down that. And, and they left me. And, but God, I don't know why I'm living through it. But I'm going to let this thing plant me, not bury me. So I choose to release and to forgive in Jesus' name. Everybody that's wronged me. Everybody that's hurt me. Everybody that's abused me. And my life before me and you is going to be open and clean. Can you say amen, everybody? That'd be a good place just to clap your hands right there, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah, come on, just one more, just one more. One more. How to live through it. Man, how to live through it. Ask God your hard questions. Just ask God your hard questions. Jesus is on the cross. And he says this, you know it. My God, my God, why 
have you forsaken me? He didn't say, disciples, where y'all at? Mary? No, my God. Over and over in the book of Psalms, there's about, uh, there's about 150 of these Psalms. David was King David. You know, David killed Goliath. That guy. He was the major writer of most of those Psalms. And over and over in the book of Psalms, we, we find this anguish with David. He just starts pouring out his heart to God. It's amazing. Uh, for, for, listen to this. Uh, so many of these Psalms is that David is writing as he is being chased by the former king, King Saul. <laughs> and he says, Oh God! They're chasing me. They're trying to kill me. And he says, but, but I'm going to still look to you. Listen to me, guys. This went on for seven years. Seven years he's running. Seven years he's hiding in the cave. Seven years he's got no home base without being raided by Saul's guys. He says in one psalm, God, why have you cast us off? And, and then he finishes the psalm with this. Yet I'll trust in you again. Listen to me. Man, God can handle your emotional swings. I used to grow up, listen, I grew up in an environment that was like this. If you're real, man, God's not going to like you. So don't be real. Don't be real with anybody. Like, how you doing? Oh, everything's fine. And your marriage is a wreck. How you doing? And your kids are whacked out. Oh, the kids are good. No, they're whacked out. Oh, how you doing, man? What's going on? Oh, man, blessed, not stressed, the head, not the tail. Blessed coming in, blessed going out. But then you, you know some stuff and you go, now, now why is your car getting ready to get repossessed? Um, you got to have some people with skin on you can be real with, but let me encourage you. Ask God your hard questions and God can handle you, the, the, the real hard answers. Um, if you ever read the book of Job, it's a crazy book. Uh, Job, uh, most theologians believe that Job only lasted about uh, 9 to 12 months. It's like 40 chapters, guys, 41 or something, 42. It's, it's crazy, but it's only like 9 or 12 months of a guy's life. He went through hell, high water. I mean, the end's a little bit longer uh, of the duration of what actually happened when God took care of him. Uh, but, but Job's friends could never answer the questions he needed. Some of you are asking Twitter and Instagram and Facebook what to do, that they cannot help you. The only people that can help you is Jesus. Come on, somebody say amen. Yeah. Come on, one last scripture. We're going to pray. Come on, one last scripture. I love this. Psalm 34, 18. David says this, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. You're going to find God in struggle and in pain. You can find God. He's close to you today. He's near to you today. If you're crushed today, if you don't know what to do, don't know where to turn today, listen, the resurrection proves that even in a bad day, God can raise up something in your life, raise you up again, and do something amazing in your life. The resurrection of Jesus Christ proves it. Can you say amen? Come on, every head bowed, every eye closed. Come on, just give everyone in the room the right to privacy. This is a holy moment. This is a time where you're just asking God. You're pressing in with God. You're just saying, God, help me today. I want you today. Father, I pray for every person in the room. I pray for every person going through it. 
going through it emotionally, going through it physically, going through it relationally, going through it, trying to find the purpose and meaning of their life, what, what, what road to take, where to go. Father, I pray for every person that's hurting with friends in high school or college and going through it, sexual issues, all kinds of things where we're dealing with it. We know there's more. There's a nagging in our heart for more. We know this isn't it. We know this isn't the purpose for our life. We know that the words that have been spoken of us, they're not true. Father God, I pray for every person that you help them get through it. While your head's bowed and your eyes closed, the only way that I have ever found, and many in the room can attest to this, The only way we have ever found, I have ever found, to get through it is to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. He has been through it for you. He took your sin. He took your pain. He took your shame. He took it to the cross for you. That's why he came down. He didn't come down as a king from heaven in the sense of saying, here I am, serve me. He came down as a humble servant saying, I'm going to lay my life down for you so that you could be brought back in a perfect relationship with God the Father. That's why he came. He came to reverse that curse that we found out and talked about for a second in the book of Genesis. He came so that you could be connected in relationship with God the Father. That's why he's here. Everybody in the room is looking for a relationship, maybe in the wrong place. Jesus says, let me find you. Let you, please, I want you to find me. And he's here. And he's here. It's as easy as a prayer. We know from the book of Romans, a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote. He said, if you'll believe in your heart and you'll just confess, you'll say something with your mouth. You really believe it, you'll be saved. We know John 3, 16, God loves the world. He doesn't want anybody to perish. He wants everybody to have everlasting life. It begins with a prayer. It begins with you acknowledging and turning and asking. So what we do around in the room today is what we've done every single Sunday for years We don't ask you to stand up. We don't have you come down to the front. But we just simply say right there where you're sitting, in a moment when I just ask you to raise your hand, you're saying by a raised hand, Pastor Gary, include me in this prayer. We're all going to say a prayer out loud. You won't be praying by yourself. We're all going to pray out loud together. We're going to ask Jesus.